Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And um, for those people who hear this guest introduce themselves, there will be no doubt where in the world he's from. So, good morning to you, Bill Carson. Hello, Russell. <laughs> All the way from Sydney, Sydney, Australia. That's that's you're almost almost you're almost exactly on the other side of the planet to me. Isn't that amazing? I think so. Yes. Yeah. That would. Yep. Yeah. However, you're um, looking at it. Um, yeah. Obviously, mm. straight through. Drill. Start drilling downwards from where we are. Oh, there we'd you go. Come yeah, out. Start drilling. Yeah, we'd probably come out just around the corner from you, and, and the, <laughs> the Panietta River or whatever it's called. Yeah. Well, it's a delight to talk to you today, and um, mm. um, I just it's it's wise at this point to say to listeners, obviously, that there's there's going to be slightly more of a lag on this show, so it may well be that we have to be a little bit less to and fro than usual, but let's give it a go. So first of all, mm-hmm. Bill, I'm delighted to meet you and delighted to welcome you to the podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what it is that you do? Mm, good. Thank you very much, Russell. Uh, so I'm kind of in this... Uh, ikigai uh, place for me, which is uh, everything's landing where I belong, uh, in the areas of uh, specialising in mental health, uh, mental health in workplaces, and and resilience is very much part of that. Um, way back in uh, uni days, I was sort of seriously thinking of doing psychology and teaching, uh, but for a whole raft of reasons, I didn't. I ended up doing a science degree, majored in metallurgy, and mm-hmm. worked in manufacturing roles. And, um, but I really struggled uh, a lot during uni. I had a lot of, what am I doing here? What's the purpose of my life? You know, all this kind of existential kind of stuff that we do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we often manage that stuff with uh, sex, drugs and rock and roll. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, because it actually, what, what had happened for me was um, my father had died in a car accident when I was five. And um, the, you know, massive trauma from that experience. My mother uh, was 26. She had four kids. I was the oldest. And you can well imagine that she lost her husband who was 29. The massive trauma that she went through, she was so traumatized that she didn't um, help me through mine. And then mine kind of just stayed with me for a really long time. And now I'm fully healed from that because uh, I've done a lot of work on it. But that's kind of informs at some level why I do what I do. Yeah. And the and for people who heard the term Ikigai for the first time, it's, it is, it's a Japanese thing. It's, it is, there is something about the sense of purpose or 
knowing mm. your purpose or understanding your purpose of defi- it's about purpose isn't it that's the the, the yeah it's, the, it's it's this wonderful principle that it's the combination of something that you love yeah something that you're good at yeah something that the world wants and the fourth is that you'll get paid for it yeah <laughs> so i'm um Spiritual passionate about this. Mm. yeah i'm passionate about this this whole work yeah. um i'm good at it i've Got a lot of pedigree, which we can talk about. Uh, the world wants it, and um, you know it really makes a difference. Yes. So, yeah, and and you're raising raising a fascinating point here about the impact of childhood trauma on our adult lives, and and I think one of the challenges that people face is that they often have trauma, but they can't remember the the original incident, or they've had an original incident and they've not had the tools and methods to be able to change their perception of that or to be able to manage the effects or they almost risk being defined by those things don't they so actually it mm-hmm. becomes it becomes their life purpose to work this thing out rather than to live an actual life and yes and, and you can be defined by an incident in your childhood which which can be you know there's no there's no diminishing there's no um diminishing what the incident was but mm. how one learns to deal with that is is actually pretty important isn't it and i and i yes. wonder whether i don't know what your mental health systems and systems like down there but i don't know whether we we get onto things early enough we certainly don't here so we have a yes. lot of childhood tra- trauma you know presenting and often quite late adult stages so yes. i just wonder i wonder how you began the the process of um you know negating the harm from the childhood incident yeah, that's a really good question, Russell. Um, it came about because in the sort of 2014, 2015, 2016 period, uh, or 2014, 2015, really, I started having, I had some experiences where work uh, situations went south, mm. um, didn't work out for a complex range of reasons. And I have an internalizing stress reaction style. I'll uh, attack myself. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy um versus all the other people who have had externalizing uh blamer styles and um so there things happened i kind of got blamed uh looking back it wasn't my fault they were just as stupid as i was mm-hmm. and um uh anyway I, I i really internalized a lot but i fortunately had some uh, divine intervention and um i came across uh john gray's book okay. in this um um country town of uh, New South Wales uh, called uh, Ukai. And it was John Gray's book called um, Staying Focused in a Hyper World. Okay. And, uh, you know, as you know, John Gray originally wrote Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, and he's yeah. done a huge amount of work around brain chemistry and a whole raft of things. And so I started reading this book. It really introduced me to that whole area of supplements and brain chemistry and whatever. And then I came across... Um, uh, Daniel Amen's work, uh, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, and uh, inflammatory conditions in the brain. One of the things that uh, Daniel Amen talks about is um, is um, um, ants, automatic negative thoughts. And, and since then, I've seen a lot of research that talks about inflammatory conditions in the amygdala, hippocampus kind of uh, area, and that just generates a lot of negativity. And then I did a lot of research then around um, um, supplements and kind of whole range of area, uh, William Walsh's work, uh, Patrick Holford's work, et cetera, et cetera. And then I um, just started testing, uh, you know, these guys were talking about it and 
you know, and you could get these supplements to improve serotonin levels and dopamine levels just from from the original sort of molecules in the amino acids, you know, like uh, serotonin comes from L-tyrosine, you know, you can just buy it over the super, you know, uh, from a health food shop, it's no big deal. And, um, and then started experimenting. And then there's a particularly really good product that turns out by Swiss, the, um, uh, um, you know, chemical, you know, the, the um, supplements kind of manufacturer called Mood. And it's got really good combination of L-tyrosine and uh, phenylalanine and B6, B12, Biloba and all that kind of stuff. And I really started to notice that was very, very helpful. And I also uh, started to really connect in with my uh, feelings and really started to notice the just the kind of underlying trauma around that. And I had some really good therapy. And so it was a really combination of brain chemistry and um, good therapy and, you know, a lot of other sort of kind of stuff that I was learning around resilience and all those kinds of areas that just got me into a really good place. And um now I kind of understand a lot of that uh, challenge and trauma that people experience and, you know, recognize the incredible value of a whole raft of different approaches to help get through it. No, that's really interesting. So, um, so let's have a think about this. So um, I always thought it was L-tryptophan that increased ser- serotonin, but that might just be a, a different, different scientific approach because L-tyrosone is more for um energy and speed isn't it but um yeah do, do your research we all we all do different things here but but what i'm what i'm fascinated by here is your starting approach and i think i think what you said is extremely sensible and wise i'm sorry to have to agree with you on a set on all these things but it is fascinating if you go to the doctor and say you know i've got shortness of breath i've got pain in my arm i've got um you know, a sort of tingling in my shoulder or something, they look at the the organ, the heart, and say, there's a problem with your heart. And we go to the doctor and we say, you know, um, I've got you know, racing thoughts, I, I can't sleep, I, you know, I have physiological reactions to things. No one says, look at, let's look at the health of your brain. Everyone yeah, talks exactly. about, you know, and that's what you're talking about with supplements. We're talking about how do we actually look after the set, the actual organ that produces cognitive process, you know how exactly. it, you know how it produces all the things that we do, and and I think you're right here. I think I think we undervalue the the care for the actual organ. We're we're yes. so focused on the the thoughts, and and you yes. have to do that. You have to do cognitive repair and you know CBT or whatever it might be, therapy, blah 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 blah. But I yes. think if you don't focus on the on the the the, the shell and what's inside the cell at, at an organic <laughs> level. You know, yes. you you can't expect the the machinery or the um, the system itself to actually work. So exactly. I think I think it's quite an interesting approach starting with the nutrients. I think you're absolutely right. I think I think as well, neurobiology has really been massively affected by our ability to understand food and yes. and, the, and the correlation with energy and and such like and how that works. And and that's because food science has improved. Yes. So, so yes, I, I think this is a, a really interesting approach because lots of people come in here and talk about, you know, it's about having a positive attitude and jumping up and down and thinking things and having pictures on the wall and all that sort of stuff. And that, for me, is down the road. Yes. Like if you have a heart attack, the first thing you don't do is, you know, go and run a, a marathon. What you do is you look after your heart. Exactly. <laughs> you come back. Yes. You know, you build capacity, don't you? You build 
well, that's mm. what resilience is. It's about learning and building. And, and I think sometimes um, one of the key things we see in terms of cognitive repair and cognitive function of working memory is learning to learn. And I think, yes. you know, it's something we talk a lot about in the corporate sector. I know you're there as well. And I don't think we, I, I think we've lost the lost the art of learning. And it's interesting mm. that you picked up a book and you learned from that book. You probably reflected, yes. took action, you know, built a plan, all that sort of stuff. So I just, I just wonder whether sometimes... Um, Sometimes we all we sort of start in the wrong place. So I was just intrigued by the way you started. So that's that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a really good point. And I think the um, so broadening broadening out the perspective around starting points as well, Russell is the classic bio psycho social model, which fundamentally underpins yeah, no. the classic mm-hmm. sort of Western um, uh, psychology approach. Is 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 fundamental, but it's missing also an incredibly important piece as well. So the bio is looking after ourselves physically, which obviously will impact on, you know, brain health and brain function. Um, psycho is obviously the mind, and and then therefore, you know, uh, good therapy, good rela- and then social would be you know relationships, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. But um, um, <clears throat> um, um, man's search for meaning. Victor Frankel's uh, work yeah. around logotherapy and sense of purpose. This is incredibly important, and that's uh, one of the things that I was struggling with when I was young. You know, what's my sense of purpose? And then these days, I have a huge sense of purpose. So you can have all those ingredients, but if you don't have a sense of purpose, you know, um, uh, Simon Sinek's, you know, start with why. Uh, th- these things kind of all 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 link in yes. uh, uh, to. Um, you know, cover, you know, the full domain of sort of showing up and being the best that we yes. can be. And, and it's fascinating, isn't it? Because we've sort of developed a highly individualized, non-community-led model of existence as human beings. So, you know, we sit in our, increasingly have the sense of I rather than we. We increasingly sit at our own little individual domiciles, you know, not talking to each other, not within a family, especially in big cities. Um, the 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 idea of loneliness is, is a massive contagion mm. these days, which, of course, is one of the facets that leads to suicide ideation. Um, and I wonder whether I wonder whether we we overfocus on the I and overfocus on the on this on this individuality, and we lose that sense of purpose, which comes from I mean, the Americans call it serving others, whatever you, the jargon mm. might be, the sense of belonging as a higher purpose, you know, an integrative purpose to which we belong, rather than the purpose is just me and my little my little yes. old journey sort of thing. So, just wondered about your views on that. Yeah, and, that, and that's why, you know, for me, and it's taken a, a bit of time to kind of figure out this sense of purpose for me, which is that I make, my purpose is that I make a contribution of love to humanity mm. every day, one person at a time. And that's my purpose. That's that's what I do. Yeah. Um. So initially it was kind of making a contribution of love and then I kind of picked up on, um, um, uh, brilliant human being will come to me you know that if we exist for humanity so one of the things that i do is and have done for the last seven years is i do lifeline mm-hmm. um i uh, volunteer telephone crisis supporter okay and it's incredible the the gift that flows into my life because i'm giving my gifts to support others who you know, really struggling when they having very difficult thoughts and situations like that. So, you know, I'm making the time available. 
you know, giving, you know, four hours a fortnight, you know, I've given over 650, 700 hours. It's the equivalent of like a quarter of a million dollars in, in terms yeah. of my own um, hourly rate. And then I've been blessed, you know, massively from that. And I think to your point, Russell, the myopicness uh, sometimes we get caught up uh, because there's such a huge driver by the advertising industry and their kind of whole business model that people got to really be careful about just not letting that that business model overtake their lives and and all the facets that they create around that mm-hmm. and 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 seek their own sense of identity their own sense of relationships their own connectedness uh is, is a really strong view that i have yeah no that's that's fascinating so i'd like to ask you a question before i do i'm going to preface this if i may by saying it's refreshing how you've not mentioned the word values today because i'm so fed up of values and uh, <laughs> so let's but let's talk about if someone was sitting there thinking this purpose thing that sounds jazzy um i mean how do I begin to work out my purpose? Mm. It's a really good question. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll answer it with a little bit of uh, context. So there's um, there's this model of happiness called uh, that 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 I've seen and I use and I share, which is called the three P's of happiness. So the the lowest form of happiness is pleasure. And uh, there's an author I haven't read the book, but I know of it, which is essentially the the massive delusion that so many people are under, and that is that they get pleasure from having things, mm. uh, you know, having the house, the car, the holiday, the whatever. We will never, ever be happy when our um, externalization uh, is, you know, is outside of ourselves by having something. So that's a, a pleasure thing. The next level of uh, happiness is, uh, is passion. And uh, so a sense of you know, you're doing this work, you're passionate about it, you want to give it to what I'm passionate about, my work. And then the highest level of happiness is, is purpose. So, you know, a classic example is um, um, classic Aussie. Mate, what are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm just doing a job, laying some bricks. And next level, so just doing a job. So people who just do a job, just collecting the money, well, they'll never fundamentally be happy because all they're doing is just doing the work to collect some money to have some pleasure. Uh, the, the next guy who's at the passion level, what are you doing, mate? Oh, look, have a look at this wall. Um, you know, it's really straight. I'm very good at walls. You know, I just love my work. And then the highest level, what are you doing, mate? I'm building a cathedral. Yeah. And there's this high sense of identity. And then if you kind of just extrapolate that back into like an example, so, you know, just someone who works in a supermarket. So why do you do what you do? I'm just doing the work to collect some money. Uh, you know, I hate the bloody thing. Uh, people annoy the crap out of me, etc. Then, what are you doing? Uh, yep, I, I work uh, in a supermarket. I'm committed to uh, becoming, you know, uh, better at it. I eventually want to become a manager one day. I want to, um, you know, really grow in the retail industry and sort of be the best I can. And then, what are you doing? Well, each day I make a decision to smile as many people as I can. And so I'm putting the fruit out, I'm loading the shelves and I'm just being nice because I make a difference in someone's life every day. And that's my purpose. No big deal, you know, but relevant. And so sort can, of context, mm. context and, sta- and scale. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so, 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 so we would start with the three P's, and we, and and would we start by thinking, well, I'm uh, for me because I'm very much about how you find the happiness, how you find happiness, and where you are, rather than waiting happiness to strike you like a shaft yes. of sort of enlightenment from the skies. So, so in a sense, what you're saying is is how you link what you do to your purpose, how you how you uncover your purpose through what you're doing. Yes. Is yes. it what one or I? Oh, I suppose it could be either way, can't it? Yeah, there kind of needs to be a fundamental component of a contribution to others. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just the essence of who we are as as social beings. Yeah. We'll always ultimately uh have a fundamental sense of worth to a degree when we've when we're when we care about others. Yes. Um, you know, and and, and you can balance that out. Uh, but that that's that's what I've learned is a, is a fundamental component. Yes. And and the the, the media and, and society tends to not want to uh, orientate us towards that for some or the the the, the fundamental kind of premise premise of their model of the world is fundamentally creating constant trauma because that the way they keep because uh, they they figured out back in the 1960s, that if you keep the masses in trauma at mm. about the level of 75%, then they consume to to offset their trauma. And this is kind of one of the reasons why, you know, we think humans have this negativity bias. It's really because it's, it's constantly aggravated by the media, yeah. their business model, which is to sell stuff. Um, but if you kind of wake up to that and learn to recognise that, put it in its place and, and, you know, honor relationships. And if you look at Barbara Fredrickson's work and, and, mm. and uh, Lasada, the, the incredible, and, and um, John Gottman, the incredible importance of positivity in relationships, Yeah, you know, saying positive things to each other, you know, love, you know, thank you for, you know, filling the dishwasher and, you know, thank you for, you know, ordering mm. the food and thank you, you know, sort of constantly mm. balancing out a minimum of three positives to every negative. Mm. And so if you've got that going on in a relationship and at work and in life, then we're in a much better place somewhere. Yeah. Than, than the negativity that constantly. And, that, and that's interesting because just going back to purpose for a second. So, um, and this might be a bit of an engineered ratchetly, ratchet turn, but I'm quite thought thinking a, a little bit about actually when we work, what we're doing is we're effectively aligning our sense of personal purpose with what an organization has for its purpose. So oh, if you are a, um, so I work with a lot of different industries, but let's say I'm working with someone who's very creative. If you have a very creative organization, with strong sense of purpose, you and you have a, a sense of purpose of creating something, those two things align. And I think that what drives that is um, psychological safety. Uh, safe yes. conversations with managers because actually you need that time to learn and explore, don't you? So yes. I know you've done a lot of work in this area. I just wonder if you could say something around the broad subject of psychological safety and, and safe conversations. And of course, I know you've mm. written a book in this area, so it'd be interesting to hear something about that. Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Russell. Yeah, the um, the Safe Conversations for Work and Life book that I've written kind of comes out of a workshop called Safe Conversation Skills for Managers. <clears throat> and I've trained a lot of managers in mental health first aid. And what often happens is 
because managers don't know how to have the conversation where someone might be struggling. And welcome to being a human. We all have stuff that happens and that impacts on our performance. And so managers with manager brain uh, always think that they need to try to solve the problem. So they find it very difficult to drop all that and to be able to connect in and have a person-centered conversation. And that that's what I, what I teach. Mm. First of all, I teach... Um, what would you be noticing? What might be happening if if someone is kind of struggling? And then uh, gently entering into the conversation in such a way that you're helping the team member, colleague, create their own self-awareness and then identifying the resources that would be most suitable for them. So you turn off manager brain because manager brain, you know, wants to be telling them what to do and uh, and, 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 you know, that that's really uh, unhelpful uh, and... Um, and so, you know, consistently managers are finding that it's a really good strategy because it is a very good upskilling for psychosocial safety and psychological safety in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that makes sense. So, so a safe conversation can still be a robust conversation. It's it's a, mm-hmm. it's, it's a situation where you can have a professional conversation, a professional debate where someone's not at risk. So you get the best from themselves, I'm guessing. Yes, yeah, exactly. So if, if let's say, for example, you know, I, you and I had a kind of good trusting relationship and let's say you work for me and then I was kind of noticing that Russell was kind of like not his normal self for some reason. Yeah. Let's say, for example, you've got some things going on. One of the kids is unwell. One of your parents is kind of unwell and you're sort of worried about about them. So I connect in and I <clears throat> have a, you know, how's Russell going conversation. And, you know, and then it might be in the second instance, I might refer to the fact that, hey, you know, if you're an Aussie, I'll be kind of, kind of saying, hey, mate, you're kind of not seeming to be your normal self. You know, how are you going? If Whatever's happening, have you got things, support to look, you know, look after yeah. yourself and so forth. Now, in that moment, <clears throat> you will make a decision is it safe for you to open up yeah. and just kind of share, you know, what might be going on for you? And if there's a degree of safety, in other words, if if I am safe to talk to because I'm not going to judge you, tell you to kind of buck up, mate, you'll get over it uh, and, and something like that, you just be safe. And I create this, um, um, in a sense, this platform of safety between us where you can just share, I'm not going to tell you what to do, et cetera then the, the, there's an enormous amount of, uh, in a sense, healing and, and help and support that, that happens for you, um, you know, and, and for other people when, when we do that kind of, and we have, when we have that kind of skill. Yeah. And we know that when that's happening, adrenaline levels are lower, cortisol's mm-hmm. lower, dopamine's higher, serotonin's higher, because actually we are neurobiologically um and not operating from that position where we are where our body's stressed and ready to take action so it's so it's a it's a it's a manifestly scientific approach as it were and i think people think these things are soft and fluffy because you know because people should get a grip and get over themselves but actually um, learning to treat adults like adults is actually a safe conversation learning to give people agency for their own thoughts and conclusions is a safe conversation so not talking down to people, not, you know, those sorts of things. And I often think people think 
being psychological safe is psychological safe means you can't say anything to anybody. And I think it's the reverse. It's building a culture where you can have robust yes. professional conversations, but in a way that is healthy and energized. So you don't end up being distressed or angry or tired or, you know, what you need to do is either just go out, you know, on an even keel or potentially better because that's the nature of having robust professional conversations at work. It's about usually how to improve performance. So, so yeah. Bill, how do I get my pause on this, um, this book of yours? Uh, yes. Uh, available on Amazon at the moment. Uh, Safe conversations uh, for work and life. Uh, my website is inspirelearning.au. Uh, so um, you can go there and um, <clears throat> get the resources that way. Uh, also there's um um, Booktopia is another resource that uh, would, would be selling the book as well. It's available in paperback version and also in um, ebook version as well. That's all. Very good. And, and, I, think, and I was, I was going to say the, going other, to... the other thing I, I see on your site, which sorry, I was just distracted by as well. I was just having a look at measure your emotional fitness, and there's an interesting model of resilience on there. Um, yes. So that's a conversation for another day. But do you want people to come and have a bash at that, fill that in for themselves? What what what, yes, what happens? Yes, uh, the emotional fitness. Um, <clears throat> probably with the work that I've been doing, <clears throat> one of the things that I find really intriguing is you know how we're we're generating more awareness these days around mental health. <clears throat> whoever has a thought without feelings mm. we never do and and so you know all all over the world we're gonna get more sophisticated we got to get comfortable with feelings and with emotions and learn to emotionally regulate ourselves most effectively a lot. So many of the uh, issues on the planet just exist because people don't know how to emotionally regulate themselves appropriately with, you know, the stresses and challenges that occur. And, you know, I'd love to talk with you kind of in more detail around that. And this is how it ties into, you know, your work around resilience and, and, and those sorts of things as well. So when we have good levels of emotional fitness, yeah. uh, then, you know, that that that's really helpful for us. So, yeah, people can go on the site and uh, do the emotional fitness uh, measurement. And then, um, yeah, happy to uh, have conversations with me and explore it in more detail. Brilliant. Well, look, it's been a joy to talk to you today. And I, I've just noticed that the time has run past her a lot of times. So forgive me for being too interested in what you had to say. So uh, uh, we've been talking to Bill Carson. Uh, his site is inspirelearning.au. And the book, of course, which is available on Amazon all over the place, Safe Conversations for Work and Life. Bill, it's been a joy to talk to you today. Mm, and you too, Russell. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. You take care. Hi everybody, I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed and if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. 
For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.